0: hello and welcome back to the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast hosted by me, the Lady Gardener. Get ready to hear from your favorite Instagram gardeners, allotmenteers, flower farmers and plant gurus on this season of the podcast. We'll be hearing people's stories of how they discovered the joy of gardening, learning about their growing spaces, and of course hearing about their biggest achievements and fabulous garden fails because we all have them. I hope you love listening to us chat about the things we've done in the name of plants just as much as we enjoy recording. And if you do, it would really mean the world to me if you could leave us a review because it really helps to get the word out to more planty people and share these amazing stories. This season is sponsored by Akai Outdoor Wear, which if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that barely a day goes by that I'm not dressed head to toe in their clothing, which is really made to last. I live in their thermal outdoor skinny trousers during the winter, which are bramble proof, waterproof and wipeable, perfect for days at the farm or the allotment. I've certainly put them through their paces and have been so impressed with the comfortable fit and durability of each and every item. And I have quite the collection now. So if you're keen to add some acai pieces to your wardrobe, they've kindly offered podcast listeners an exclusive discount. So head over to the website and use code DOALG20 for 20% off your orders over £50. This offer ends on the 31st of May 2023. In this episode, I got the pleasure of chatting to James, known as Garden Designer James, on Instagram for something a little different. Whilst most episodes see conversations about a love of growing, this episode is focused more around the flow and design of gardens to create a sanctuary. At just 26, James has already achieved an incredible amount as an RHS show garden medalist and it was fantastic to get an insight into what it's like to be a garden designer. I really hope you'll enjoy hearing more about his story and be able to take lots of ideas away for your own outdoor spaces. Enjoy! James how are you?
1: I'm good thank you how are you?
0: Yeah very good thank you thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast this evening.
1: No worries thank you thank you for having me.
0: (laughs) It's uh, quite exciting because we've never had like a garden designer guest on and I know that lots of people will be really interested to hear from a bit of a different perspective because a lot of the people that have been on the podcast to date have been kind of allotmenteers, more traditional flower growers and veg growers so it's nice to have someone a bit different.
1: Yeah so uh, no pressure then, really is it
0: <laughs> you're flying the flag with garden designers across the UK <laughs>
1: that's, that's, no, that's a horrible thought is
0: it <laughs> no pressure um so I'd love to hear where your kind of interest in plants and gardening began and kind of tell us your story from however early it begins
1: I think it started sort of my last year of school um didn't do too well in a, in a few exams so I had one career idea and I sort of moved to another. My dad was already associated with the industry in one way or another. And I was just in the garden one day, uh, kicking kicking the old football around, as you do wrecking the garden. Uh, and then I thought going into horticulture. And luckily, that was a land-based college at the other end of my village. Um, so I applied to do um, a level three extended player in horticulture and in in that sort of course they had a gun design module sort of fell in love with that topic and went I oh, this to be a really cool idea to do for a career it's creative what I like doing involves plants and everything so I thought that let, let, let's pursue that avenue and studied at Rittle University College for three years as a degree and now we am still doing it as a career so I think it's going all right so far.
0: <laughs> you feel like you made the right decision, then? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it's quite rare for anyone to go through, get to the end of school, and kind of have an idea of what they want to do, do it at uni, and then carry on. I mean, I don't know anyone who's been to uni and does does their degree as a career. So.
1: I think I, I did leave. I did leave it obviously late in school because you sort of go through that. uh I want to be a footballer stage, realise you're not quite good at it. Um, and then you know I had other career ideas and it was just by chance I was in the garden one day and it sort of came to my mind told my mum and then she was like oh better speak to your dad (laughs) and you know one thing led to another and you know here I am so
0: no that's brilliant um so can I ask do you have a growing space of your own that you kind of grow your own plants in or do you tend to just work on other people's gardens
1: so um when i was um living at home during i think the first lockdown we sort of got our hands on a really nice glass uh like glass glass house literally really nice um basically got a flat pack built it up and i used that throughout that whole period i was literally growing anything and everything i could get my hands on from anything that was basically dying back in the garden the sense that i could go i could say that or literally having loads and loads of seed trays and Making the mistake of emptying the whole packet into one seed tray, and going oh bugger! <laughs> a few months later, going I've got to sort this all out. Um, but at the, at the minute in my um, in my flat, I've got a, I've got a bit of a balcony that I attempted to grow some um, grow some veg on it. That proved to be quite difficult. Um, it's a bit sheltered, south We've Got a massive tree out just outside, so you get like that dappled shade. So, um, not the best growing conditions for a balcony. If I can give anyone advice i wouldn't try people probably (laughs) had better successes than i have um but i you know it's about making the the, you know the most of it really
0: yeah absolutely and i think that that's such good advice like overall is kind of you have to find what's really going to work to grow in your space so i've got a really full sun allotment that is just dry as a bone in the summer but i just moved and now i've got a, a really small garden that is north facing and shady hundred percent of the day. So I have no idea what's going to yeah. be there.
1: Uh, yeah I yeah, I think I think a lot about growing and sort of called, you know growing culture culture general is just, you know, you, you try stuff and you see what works, you see what fails. And then you get that list of things that work. So you go, let's just focus on that and scrap <laughs> the stuff isn't gonna work. So, you know, it's a bit of trial and error, I think, is the is what I've certainly learned More more error than success. So but <laughs> You
0: know, you like learn the notes from the seed right?
1: Feed, the right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, so, do you grow much from seed at all now, or is it because of the balcony? You just kind of it's. I do love a sad plant sale, so I'm also a big fan of picking up those absolute bargains where they look like twigs. To other oh,
1: I, yeah, I've, I've. I think I've got a mix. I had like last summer. I tried growing the old. I tried growing some strawberries, carrots. I think I had some broccoli on there, lettuce and chard. I was, but i had these like planters that overhung like the railings of the balcony they're about that deep so it's not you know that's about 200 mil 300 mil so it's not great um <laughs> but I've got, I've got a few few bits out of it so it wasn't great but you know i do like to buy the um sort of like the odd grass or perennial that sort of dying back in the garden center you know they cost like three or four quid and then the next summer it's sort of a, a 10 pound plant again so it's that's what i like to do really sort of make it of a turn my balcony into a hospital bed and see what survives
0: and what doesn't that's what exactly what my house is like is it's a sad plant nursery where anyone who's got a sad plant they're like you can bring this back to life can't you and sometimes it's a twig I'm like there is no hope for that but my I've just moved in with my best friend and she bought a lot of plants where she was like I think some of these are savable and then she's like oh I've got some in my garden in my old place She's like, there's no like growth or greenery on them. And there hasn't been for about 10 months. But I think you could, I think you could fix that. And I'm like, if it's not had leaves in 10 months, it's probably likely dead.
1: (laughs) I don't think the best horticulturist in the world could probably, can probably bring them back. I think sometimes (laughs) that when they're dead, they're dead. So it's
0: definitely, but in the garden centre, they tend to be kind of like just looking a little bit sad. I've bought plants home before at the beginning of summer. Well, all they needed was a bit of water and a bit of a cutback, and they come back twice as vigorous and just look fantastic. So it's a bargain. No,
1: yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I've got three grasses from the garden centre earlier this month just because they've all been cut back and look brown and like dusty and dead essentially. But to me, next year they'll be double the size and they'll be fine. And you pay half the price for it, so it's just about shopping around. I think.
0: Definitely, and just having a bit of patience. That's what the garden teaches us all, patience. Yeah, it is. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your kind of show career because as a huge fan of the shows, and I was at Hampton Court Palace last year with a not properly designed at all, but allotment-style garden, um, I'd love to hear what it's like on the kind of bigger show gardens from start to finish of kind of that stressful application at the beginning right through to the big day of unveiling. <coughs>
1: I think it's just one massive whirlwind ball of stress. (laughs) I think is literally the only way I can describe it. So, I started off my application sort of just before Christmas. um, And I had, I think, about seven days to get the whole thing thought of, design sent in, submitted, everything done. So, I got that in. And then you you sort of like, it's at the back of your mind, but you still, you sort of like, little bit forget about it in a way. Because you know, there's nothing. You know, there's no point in worrying about it because it's there's nothing you can do. It's in other people's hands. Um, and you got to go through like when you get accepted, you got to go through the interview process. And I don't think I've ever been nervous for a Zoom call in my entire <laughs> entire life. Because you're going on these people that have done, you know, gold medals at Chelsea a year after year. You've got all these people with so much like expertise and knowledge. I just sat there in my bedroom going, are they going to like me or is it going to be a, an hours worth of slating and going? You're not ready for this. So <clears throat> that was a bit that was a bit nerve wracking. And then obviously this was all during COVID as well. So still sort of in a lockdown, but then we weren't in the lockdown. And then obviously the shows were cancelled the year before. And then building up to it, we still weren't really certain whether the show was going to go ahead or not. Um so that was quite stressful. And then, you know, you couldn't I think you couldn't go and see certain people. The social distancing, so all the try and get in the products, going to see plants and stuff, was sort of very limited because you couldn't you know, you couldn't constantly go out every other week and you know socially distance with other people. So that was really stressful. And then the build itself is it's just amazing seeing everything go up around you. So you've got your garden to focus on, but then you've got all the stalls going. You've got other people's gardens going. It's just one sort of massive buzz that's going on. And I think I think adrenaline takes you through the whole the whole build into the show. And then once you get your medal, I think everything just leaves your body. Just that whole <laughs> the whole stress and adrenaline just like completely goes out. And I don't think there's a there's a better, I don't think there's a better feeling when it's all when it's all out really.
0: And so, can you give us a bit of a walkthrough of what your garden design was, and kind of what the what the theme was behind what you were doing?
1: Yeah, of course. So my garden was called "It's Okay to Not Be Okay," and it was all about um, mental health and all the. It was all designed around the fact that one in four people in the UK suffer with this like with mental health um, issues, and I just wanted to do a, do a garden, especially after co- like during COVID as well, when that was sort. of I and everyone was talking about it just to just to point out that there are safe spaces to sit down with people and talk through issues with because in my opinion that's sort of one of the best ways to to help deal with that fact is just to sit down doesn't matter who it is friends family you know teachers colleagues whatever just sit down just get all your feelings out into the open and you know try to create that safe space through a show garden to emphasize that fact
0: Definitely. And it makes so much sense as well, because we talk so much, especially since COVID, like you mentioned, it's become a real, it's just become a lot more mainstream that people understand how beneficial being in the garden is for your mental health. And those simple activities of like sowing seeds, pulling weeds, sitting with nature around you and kind of taking the time to actually stop every now and then is so important. And like you say, bringing other people in and kind of I think sharing that time with them in a ma- in like a magical space. We just have hosted yeah. today in where it's lots of women coming together in a space where they can talk about all of the things that are kind of on their mind, where they might not get a chance to talk to other people about that, because we're so busy these days that you just you kind of power through life as if the, like you just have to block a lot out to just kind of get from day yeah. to day.
1: Yeah, I guess you sort of like you know everything's so hectic you know everyone's sort of rushing around doing bits working you've got a home life and everything and I think sometimes you just take you, you forget to just take a second and just reflect or you know and just like talk about what you're actually feeling rather than just pushing to the back of your mind and go no I don't worry about that that could be done I can worry about that next week or you know oh, I does not really matter it's not that big of a Issue to anyone else, so who's going to listen? But really, I think that you know, again, the point in that garden was to say that there's no issue is too big or small. It's just if you're struggling with something, just there's always a space where you can go and talk to them about it.
0: Definitely. And I bet by the end of the show, you felt like you needed to spend a week just sat in that garden, de stressing from everything (laughs) that had gone on.
1: I think I still wish I had that garden just to go and sit in it sometimes. (laughs) And just sit there and take it all in, really.
0: Yeah, it's such a bubble being at the show as well because there's just so... I feel like the time flies by like like no other time in my life. Um, And it's an amazing experience, but it is that kind of high intensity. You just have to keep moving from step one to step two to step three to step four. And there's so much relying on you being finished on time and it being deemed good enough essentially um and that medal moment must be just magic we didn't get medals so I never got a medal but which medal did you win was it I want I want to say but I don't want to get it wrong
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh so I got a uh, I got I got a silver medal at the end so I think sort of you do get that moment where you go oh I wish I'd got better but then you sort of look back of where you came from. how you got there then you sort of realize that any medal is amazing achievement
0: absolutely and silver for your first time as well is pretty incredible if you think about some of the gardeners there who have been doing this for like 40 50 years and they're they just about get their first gold medal after that meant that long of kind of going through the motions and going through the stress of doing it
1: (laughs) yeah it was it was definitely sort of one of my sort of one of my proudest achievements so it's definitely sort of something that I don't you know, I don't looking back now, I don't really wish that I could have, you know, didn't really wish that I would have got a better medal. Of course I would have done, but I don't think I, I think silver's just a great achievement. So there's no there's no regrets about if I missed a few bits of like tiny details that got me it. I don't you can't regret that at all, just about achieving the medal. An RHS at the end of the day as well is it's just a great achievement for anyone that gets one
0: absolutely very prestigious and i know that age is a bit of a funny thing to ask about but can i ask how old you were when you got your medal
1: uh i want to say i was oh my god my day 25 26 25 25 i think i've just turned 25
0: that's pretty impressive i think it was my
1: birthday during the build-up as well so yeah 25 26 now so yeah 25 yeah
0: that's mad and so you've been yeah. a garden designer for maybe like five, six, seven years at that point.
1: Yes, yeah, so I graduated university in 2017.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, four, four years, I think.
0: Yeah, which four makes it even of more of an achievement. So, yeah. I, I have to ask though, so. did you get the bug for shows from it? Will you now devote your entire life to doing the shows?
1: Um no, I'm currently doing one of my um current company the landscape service we're currently doing a, a bbc garden as well show garden at Bewley in april um which would be nice it's gonna be a nice local one to get to the, the local community and really showcase our talents um rhs wise i think i'd love to do another one i think definitely i don't think you can sort of if you get the opportunity to do one i don't think you could or i could turn it down mm-hmm. um but i think if if I if I find the right design, or if more importantly, if I find the right funding, <laughs> then one one hundred percent, I'll I think I'll definitely have to do it.
0: Definitely, and I think that the funding is something that not a lot of people actually talk about. Um, we were looking at applying for numerous different gardens at numerous different shows this year, but having financed my show last year, I was like, I can't be doing that again unless we have a sponsor. And oh, it, it's it it's pressure. Yeah, it's incredible.
1: <laughs> It's it just not knowing, because when I went into it, I didn't know anything about the financing of them. Like, obviously, you look at the Chelsea ones, you instantly go, oh, they're going to cost thousands of thousands of pounds. But I had an eight by eight metres garden, and I was like, oh, how much how much are they really going to be? I'll try and get as much as possible. The RHS do help the young designers out. Um, but I didn't quite realise how much as a whole you'd have to invest in it so
0: yeah it's it
1: definitely something that I need help with next time
0: <laughs> it's something that I just I don't know I don't know I feel like they don't really prepare you for there's not a lot of advice in it other than you must fund the garden somehow
1: <laughs> yeah it, I think that's that was one of like the the biggest challenges that I I think I faced was having the confidence just to basically cold call people in a time where they've just, you know, in a time where they've just opened up again, they're trying to get more business in because they to close to COVID money's not really circulating in their business. And I'm going, hi, I'm a 24, 25 year old kid. Can I, can I have some of you, can I have some of your products for free, please? Um, so, and then uh, by the end of it, I, you know, I did meet some really like really generous people who did help out. um, But it just, at the end of it, I did sort of, keep telling myself, worst thing people can say is no. So I think that's, you know, that's what I took into every call after the first, I think after the first week of cold calling people and (laughs) being going, oh, having like the the nerves of literally pressing the dial number and going, oh my God, once if they don't answer, once if they don't want to talk to me, once if they just laugh and hang up. So, but a no is always better than a, than a, not answering or hang up straight away because at least you sort of talk to companies and you you might be able to use them later down the line they might you know they might look at you and going oh we could have done something there let's 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 hope he calls them again or we'll get in contact with them for the next one so i think then, there's always a learning from
0: well, i think you that, know
1: <laughs> that sort of thing
0: there's such power as well in having the bravery to just ask um oh, it's yeah. something that definitely over the last year where people would go, oh, if you need any help with anything, if you need this, if you need this. And I'd be like, no, no, I don't want to put you out. No, no, don't be silly. And then you get to a point where you're like, I just really need someone to help me. And actually, sometimes people are really willing to help. And the power of sending an email or picking up the phone and calling someone, even if they say, I'm really sorry, I can't help you, but... I can pass your number on to so-and-so or I can pass your details on and have you thought about speaking to this person. I think that that networking really kind of starts to build something quite powerful.
1: No, yeah, you're right. And you just, you you do never know where that phone call could take you either. Or that phone call, could they could always go, I will forward you on to, you know, our colleague or I'll forward you on to, my you know, my friend who runs another business who will be, you know, be more than happy to help you. you You just never know. I think you've just got to, Sometimes take a breather, call up and see what happens.
0: Definitely. So that aside, if there were people listening to this who are thinking about potentially apply, applying for a show garden, um, other than it's going to be the most stressful thing you've ever done in your life, do you have any advice that you would like to give?
1: Um, do it essentially. <laughs> if you if you if you've got the chance to and you've got an idea and you're umming and ahhing about it, I'll just say, I'll just say do it because there's no i don't think there's a better learning experience than just being chucked into the deep end of having to organize something that's going to be on tv thousands of people are going to see it when the show opens i so just you know do it and enjoy it you know take it all in taking going to meet people going to seeing the plants develop you know enjoy the build seeing your garden go from an idea you know in your mind to the paper to then actually being built i think just take it all in enjoy it, and go for it
0: it's definitely like a memory that sticks with you forever isn't it i think when i look through the photos yeah. it's kind of like a. it really takes me back to the, the all the emotions from the different days and different stages of that process oh,
1: yeah <laughs> it's definitely a roller coaster of emotions that sort of <laughs> i don't think it's a day by day roller coaster i think it's literally by like hour by hour of a roller coaster of emotions and stress and happiness when something goes right to then it's starting to rain and things going wrong and then things start going right again. I don't think there's anything like it.
0: No, especially with such a harsh deadline of like, um, I don't know what day it would have been for you, but for us it was like 8pm on Sunday, you had to be done, ready to open the next day. And it's that kind of, you're a few hours before and it feels like you've got a mountain to conquer before you're done. And it's it's only really the final details at that point, but those final details are the bits that, like you say, for a show medal one rock out of place could be the difference between a gold and silver sometimes. And it seems quite petty and silly, but you really need to have that time to put that kind of attention into the final pieces.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you really do. I think it definitely is. You've really got to have that attention to detail. And if you've got the eye for the detail you're going to, I think you're going to be fine. But then sometimes when you've got a million and one things going on at once and everyone's asking you questions about how they like it, are you sure you want it <laughs> like this? You know, you can sometimes wander, but, uh, you know, just just go in there, enjoy it.
0: Absolutely. I think that's that's definitely good advice. I'd love to hear a bit more now about your kind of day-to-day um, shows aside of kind of what a typical working week might look like for you.
1: Yeah, so a, a, away from show gardens, I like to, my day job is pretty much designing gardens for, uh, you know, clients our clients and private residentials and we also do the odd commercial work as well so sort of really do a vast range of you know projects in this industry and it's really exciting especially being on the south coast some of the landscapes they're able to work on are just incredible
0: definitely so I'm just the other side of the country on the southwest coast (laughs) so when you kind of take on a new garden client i'd love to hear a bit more about the process yep. of kind of what you look out for i'm guessing you kind of go and see the garden in person before you do the design and kind of would love to hear about the process that you go through because when we go to we go and do mini gardeners clubs at different schools and we kind of look at the space and obviously it's a very practical space as opposed to something super aesthetic so i'd be interested to hear if we look at kind of similar features around the garden yeah so when
1: when we're we go to sort of meet, meet the client and see, you know, the space they want designing. The most important thing is that we obviously go outside, sort of get a feel for the space and we really just listen to what the clients want because at the end of day, they, they're the ones that are going to be using it. It's, you know, it's their money. It's, you know, going to be their, you know, their investment in their dream space. So we really want to listen to what the key features that they they would like in the garden whether it's a you know veg growing area swimming pool you know they want a large lawn they want a hot tub a fire pit all that sort of stuff and they just you know we just let them list things to us we get to know what their lifestyle is like you know pets children sort of do they have do they have a lot of people over are they entertainers or are they people that sort of want to keep themselves to themselves and then we go back into our office and we really zone in on the on the space so we do a site analysis we do a space allocation plan which is basically where we draw up different spaces of what they want in the garden just to see how it will fit it's like a sort of like a bubble diagram but sort of in a design sort of capacity (laughs) and uh our, our site analysis are really detailed so really pick apart the existing space, whether it's got a bad lawn, bad you know bad screening, it's you know the aspect of it's north, south, east or west facing, and really work out what is what is going wrong with the space or what is right with the space because sometimes gardens are instantly you know it could be a south east southwest facing garden going oh it's going to be a nice morning sun evening sun that is great and we really try and work out what the space is like. We then sort of go through the concept stage. And that's when I tend to use probably the most tracing paper I think anyone could ever use <laughs> um, ever. I, I dare to think how much my boss has probably spent on tracing paper because I'm, I use so I use so much of it. But you you're trying to sort of get and get the best spaces knit all knitted together in the best way possible that are really going to link from the back door all the way down to the end of the garden. You really want that to be one. Sort of whole knitted together garden, Um, and then we put we put that into our put that into our computer program and you know jazz it all up, make it look really nice. And we do our do our three D visuals to make them um, see the space how it's going to be when it hopefully gets built in the way that we've designed it. And you know sometimes if the project permits it, we'll bring out the virtual reality stuff and i think that really helps sell with it and that's sort of like how we sort of get from you know a to b really
0: that sounds awesome i love the idea of the virtual reality i've seen a program where they put the virtual reality goggles on people in their gardens and they can look around and kind of really visualize the space
1: yeah i mean that's that's a sort of essentially that's a sort of a, essentially the same thing that that we do i think most vr programs are essentially all, all the same um, I really think garden design is going to be more virtual reality-based, I think, in the future.
0: So what do you do when a client comes to you with an idea that you don't like or you don't think is going to work? Do you ever get into that kind of like awkward, well, we think that this would be better?
1: Uh, yes, actually. we saw, Yeah, you, you do, because obviously they always have an idea before they even call us out and whatnot. And I think part of our job is... Really advising them, uh we we never tell them you know directly if it's bad or whether it's good or <laughs> or whatnot. We're just trying to advise them which way is going to be more beneficial for them. Um, because sometimes they might come out with an idea that is going to be so costly and will blow their budget out the water compared to the, if we do it the way that we've thought about it. That we will have probably the same outcome. you know it could be half the price it could make the garden flow better you know there's always like you know there's loads of options as to you know why one option might work better than the other so really i think you know we're just trying to advise them the best that we can um you know but if they've got their heart set on it and you know that's what they want then of course we'll always listen to them and go their way essentially but you know because it's their <laughs> garden i don't get to use it once it's done so it's always it's always best if you know you know go with the client in the, the day
0: definitely i can imagine that must be such a challenge though if you you're kind of in your head you're like i know it's going to be so much better if you followed my advice but do you ever get to, i'm sure you don't but have you ever got to the end of a design and gone i've done what the client wanted but it just it's just not right <laughs>
1: I I I I'm gonna say yes, but I don't think anyone has ever not had that. Mm-hmm. I think every designer has possibly had, you know, one or you know one or two clients who could be really lovely, but if they have their heart set on something, then we you know we just have to we just have to do it because client happiness is you no know, key. It sort of yeah. keeps us in a job. So you know sometimes you you've just got you've just got to put all your training and design flair to one side and just go make the client happy and you know get a good client, client satisfaction out of it really
0: you're a bigger person than I am I just couldn't I think I'd be like I'm sorry <laughs> I just can't I can't put that together for you because it's not gonna it's not gonna work with my brain <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it's a lot of a lot of a lot, lot, lot of hands in head moments but it's you know if, if they're happy that's the main thing
0: and would you say you have a particular style that you like to design in is it like particular colors or particular shapes particular arch- architectural styles or anything like that
1: um I, I just say yes and yes and no i think obviously i try and you know change it change it depends on the client and the architecture of the house or so that of like the the vibe that you know they're giving me um I think I think round round here is sort of it's different because round here there's a lot of especially in Dorset there's a lot of modern homes going up, mm-hmm. and you, you know you try and tie that in with the the architecture. We work quite closely with architects that obviously design the house, so we try and sort of tie the inside to the outside. And if the inside is ultra modern, and they want modern, then the garden is modern. So I'd say i will try and combine modern with a bit of tradition in there you know but that's usually done through the planting or you know slight material change here and there um but planting wise i think it's got to be sort of low maintenance drought tolerant coastal loving plants around here so you know that the planting palette loosely stays the same i think
0: mm-hmm.
1: mainly because you know over the years we've, you know just try and test it around here and we don't want to give them, you know, something that's just going to last for a year and then just completely die off, and they've spent hundreds of pounds on this nice planting plan, and only four plants of the same variety can <laughs> survive. So, yeah, I think planting loosely stays loosely stays the same, but I try and you know change it up, you know, design to design of different styles here and there. But usually, it's sort of mainly contemporary with a bit of you know a bit of that tradition, you know, involved really.
0: For good measure. Um, and can you tell us uh, yeah, about, yeah. what some of those plants that you would kind of typically use in that kind of area are? Because we're quite a similar area, I'd love to yeah. hear. Yeah, so
1: I, I think it, it depends, obviously, the aspect. So if it's north or south-facing, I personally like to use a lot of grasses, uh, mainly for their texture and movement and you know their height. You know you can get them at a different height. So you, you've got your steepers and you can them across this. I find they do very well around here. Um just are amazing plants anyway. I think they do brilliantly. And, and then you've got like you know, your perennials such as like your verbenas, your agapanthases, your sanguasorbers, just anything that's gonna sort of love the sun.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And sort of that, that plant that you can either leave it or just cut it down once once a year is basically what we tell our clients. Um and obviously if you if, if you're north facing. I think you just see typical sort of like your hostas and your, your Pacissandras and like your, your ferns because the new forest as well is around here. So that sort of ties in with that and sort of like that woodlandy feel. So you know, there's always a, there's always an, you know, there's always an option to mix up the planting, mm-hmm. but it's most of the, most of our clients do like the option of let's try and keep it as low maintenance as possible. Let's try and have <laughs> one to cut back a year and, you know, you always get the one that wants to go. Oh, I want a no maintenance garden. We don't want it. We want to go outside, and you have to tell them that there's no such thing as a no maintenance garden. All gardens need some <laughs> level of maintenance, and and like my my boss always tells, always says to the clients that it it's the doesn't matter how many. It's not the amount of plants that you have in your garden. It's the variety of plant that you put in your garden makes it a low or high maintenance garden so you can get a really you know you can choose a really fussy plant that would you know once like you know wrapping up in the winter then bringing out and it doesn't like it being cut if it's at the wrong time or you know you just get a you know a of grasses and just literally give it a really savage haircut you know around, around this time and then it's that's it for the rest of the year really so i think it's just trying to find that balance
0: definitely it must be quite hard as well especially at this time of year when plants aren't necessarily in all of their glory so when plants have been cut back and they look a bit ropey even though you know that they're going to come back I imagine the clients are a bit like mm, not sure how I feel about cutting that back that severely because if you don't know about yeah plants, I, you don't really understand that yeah, kind I've, just,
1: of... yeah I've just finished off a, a planting job recently last week and all the plants all the grass grasses the come cut and you know brown looking you're just putting them in you're just going to client it'll be okay just give it (laughs) just give it a few months and it'll be fine just I promise you you haven't bought dead plants so yeah it's just that reassurance to you know clients that aren't really that you know planty and whatnot that it's going to be okay come the summer
0: Mm -hmm. especially when they spent a lot of money on it and they're thinking (laughs) "Cool." This looks rapey.
1: Yeah, they, they, I'm sure it still does look great.
0: Well.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it it does. It's just like that's when you that's when you that's when you really notice the structural plants coming. So your your shrubs and your your evergreens and your evergreen grasses they really hold it together, and you can really sort of see why you should include them in your in your designs and your planting plans. Um, but then in the in the spring and the summer, maybe. Maybe early autumn, everything is going to sort of take over and really brings the garden together.
0: And do you ever get the chance to go back and visit again? So, if you'd have planted it up in the winter, do you get to come back in like the spring and summer and kind of like check that everything is doing what it should be doing or anything like that?
1: Yeah, of course. We, we always have that sort of relationship with our clients that we always like to come and check on things if, you know, see if it's going, we hope it should be going well and, and whatnot. I mean of course, we like to get, um obviously like to see it finished when yeah um when we're done obviously if we finish a job in the winter we realise like to go and see it in the summer because that's when the gardens are you know sort of at, at their best and at their peak and obviously it's always good to get a good photograph then anyway so of course it's always good to go back and have a look at them
0: definitely and so do you have like a busy season like for gardeners you tend to have like that summer autumn period is super busy springs when you're starting with seeds for me i think winter's still just as busy but like as a garden designer do you tend to find it come it comes in like peaks and troughs or is it just quite consistent all year
1: Um, for me because um at at the landscape service we uh, we do commercial and we do private ready jobs um so we're uh, we're busy all year round we usually have a bit of like a a bit of a, a dip around the christmas time so it always it does peak up going let's get all these in before christmas um and then it drops off and then it sort of you know kids you know holidays happen you know families are away um and then it, you know they all come back and it really spirals up again so um but it, i think it does it probably does dip a bit around the start of the school holidays
0: because
1: mm-hmm. uh, people aren't really thinking about getting a gun designer in when they you know, they want to go on holiday and stuff. there's maybe a little dip there, but other than that, it's I think it's pretty full on. <laughs> you know, all year round.
0: Flat out all year.
1: pretty, pretty much, yeah. It's it's good, it's good though, because if you're not, you know, we want to be flat out all year round rather than, you know, your phones at some point. I think we're we're very, we're very busy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And is there some particular projects this year that you're kind of really excited to get started with. What's the kind of lead sorry, this is two questions in one. What's the kind of lead time of Go if someone it. if someone inquires to when they might actually have their garden kind of planted and finished?
1: Oh, um, so to answer your first question, um, yeah, there's a there's a few that we're that we're currently sort of working on on the drawing boards, a few at the minute that are going to be uh the only way I can describe it is very wow. I think is <laughs> is the only way I could describe. My, you know, you just sort of these are the jobs that you dream of when you're training to become a that you get to work on one day. So we've got um, we've got I think two or three of them on the go at the minute, which is very exciting. Um, and then your, your second question, um, I think it all it all depends on timing, availability, um, lead times, when you can get your contract in so you know some jobs can you know take less than less than a year from start to finish. Some go over a year. Yeah, there's a lot of variables at play. So you can have a small garden and that could take no time at all because there's less materials involved. The contractors won't need to be on site as long. But if you've got a you know massive massive garden that needs a lot of work doing to it, you know it could be it could be a couple of years. You, there's just a uh, so many variables at play as to how long it could take essentially.
0: Yeah, that's completely fair enough. Exciting though to see things develop over such a long time. I always think it must be quite sad when you get to the end of a long project like that, and it's kind of time to bid farewell and be like, okay, have to leave this child now and move on to the. Yeah,
1: you do get that. You do get that sense of like, oh, I'll never see this place again, or like, oh, so much has happened since it was a literally a pit of mud to a a, a, a nice finished landscape. But then, you know, I'm in a you know in a sort of like a nice privileged position that you just sort of, you're on to the next, you're on to the next one sort of simultaneously. So there's always that, you know, that change of you finish one, you're on to another one, sort of keep the flow going essentially.
0: Yeah. I bet it keeps you motivated as well because you're not, you're never stagnant in kind of doing the same thing day after day after day. It's kind of ever changing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think my day is ever the same from the previous to the next which is exciting it's sort of you know you go in and going oh i'm doing something different today you know and then you go in the next day and go oh i'm doing that today that's exciting let's go and let's go and do that and you know it could be a plant to plan it could be i could be modding up a design that i've done i could be starting a new one so there's you know you're always at different stages of different designs it's quite exciting to be jumped from you know one to the other of doing different bits
0: yeah, it sounds amazing. I feel like maybe I've not considered enough my career choice. Maybe I want to be a landscape designer now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't say a bad word about it, Jonas. I think everyone should do it.
0: <laughs> and do you have a favourite like element of the process overall? Is there a bit that you're like, this is the bit I'm always the most excited to kind of crack on with? I think I've got,
1: I think there's three. I think it's the first. the first one is when i'm got all my when i'm literally with my pencil in my hand sketching and coming up with those initial ideas um i really enjoy 3d modeling sort of really putting the space together and doing all those really nice visuals and then the third one is presenting to the clients and then hopefully them liking it so i don't think there's any better feeling as a designer when you when you, you you sort of really get on you hit it off with your clients and they like it instantly and it really helps the presentation if they love what they see straight away <laughs> um so that's you know there's uh, there's literally no better feeling that when the clients go we love it
0: definitely and I guess so, it's yeah, no,
1: I think I know I know you asked for one I know you asked, know you asked for one but I think I've given you three so
0: no one can ever pick a top one I always ask people like what's your number one favorite plant and they're like can I give you like three or five or 10?
1: Oh yeah I don't think I don't think I could pick a I don't think I could pick a favourite plant, to be honest. How, how, how long have we got? Like, <laughs> well, I've just split them into categories, if that was a question.
0: What would be in your dream garden? So if you had kind of described to me your dream garden, the size, space, the features that you would definitely include, the plants you definitely include.
1: Oh, dream garden, oh my God. Yeah. Um,
0: We do this with the mini gardeners club all the time, and we get them to draw their dream garden. (laughs) They always have like a water slide and a tiger den and like a wolf pit and loads of random stuff.
1: I think I don't think there's any going to be slides or anything like that. (laughs) I think I think as big as possible. Um, I'd dream garden. I'd love an arboretum. Nice Uh, trees are great. Um, not that not that I'll be able to afford anytime soon an arbor garden an arboretum in it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um i'd I'd love my like a massive sort of like production size glass house like polytunnel because i think that'd just be insane because i i'd be able to grow so many cool things in it um um five like a sun i love a sunken fire pit swimming pool maybe just so i could please sort of my inner child i could have a football pitch in there somewhere <laughs> um and then just a lot of a lot of planting, like large plants in beds, and you know, a nice terrace area that I can drink some cider in.
0: That sounds dreamy. To be fair,
1: I think that's, I think that's the, I think that's the, I think that's the dream garden. To be fair,
0: I like that it's large scale, but also big enough to fit in a a football pitch. Just kind of casual on the side.
1: Yeah, just, just, just out the way. Nothing, nothing special. Just something I can, <laughs> you know, keep the ball against. Really. <laughs>
0: just for a bit of hobby hobby football here and there
1: yeah just have that thrown on the side but I'm not having to manage my arboretum or my poly tunnels
0: we have a team of staff that can manage all these areas for you or are you quite keen to get involved in the maintenance
1: i think i will just do it all myself personally i think what's the point in having all that stuff if other people are gonna enjoy my dream garden so you know they can make a They could just watch me sort of do the bits I want to do if they want to be there. So, yeah, I'm not keen. to get involved.
0: Not keen for the weeding, but I'm going to do everything else.
1: Oh yeah, I'll do the I'll do the nice bits. You know, I'll do the I'll do the I'll do the pretty sewing and whatnot and growing on the stuff, and everyone else can do the weeding and the maintenance I don't want to do.
0: Um in terms of placement the football pitch is going quite far away from the glass house right you don't want any accidents with the ball hitting the glass there
1: oh no of course not i think i'll have to get a net around the football pitch personally mm. maybe, some, maybe some nice trees and hedging around it so it's a bit disguised but just so i know like a secret football pitch i know it's there but no one else can see it
0: yeah that would be cool like secret garden vibes love that
1: yeah that's think think that's the plan
0: well, it sounds amazing. I hope that one day you achieve your hopes and dreams and get your oh. own garden.
1: Fingers crossed. I think I, I, I don't think it'll be all of that. I think I have to be one or the other, personally.
0: <laughs> I reckon two or three years from now, you'll have won many a gold medals, and you'll be you'll be at that point. You'll be ready to ready to get started on your own garden project. I think I think, I think if I hit that point, I'll retire
1: because I think that's, <laughs> that's dreams made. I think.
0: Well, you know, if you can do it before thirty, then ideal
1: got a few years
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for your time this evening james it's been really interesting to kind of chat and hear a bit more about the other side of the gardening world
1: no thank you so much for having me it's been really fun
0: you made it to the end of the episode which means you must have enjoyed it and if you did, I'd be ever so grateful if you could head to your favourite podcasting app to give us a follow and leave us a little review which helps to get these stories out to more amazing planty people. If you've got any questions or stories you'd like to share, find me over at Diary of a Lady Gardener on Instagram and don't forget to head to Akai for some fabulous new outdoor wear using the code D-O-A-L-G-20 for 20% off your order. That's all from me this week. Happy growing! Happy <laughs> growing!